80% of world trade is carried out through containerized logistics, generating trillions of data points every single day. But until recently, only a few actors capitalized or even knew how to create value of all this data. Digitalization in shipping and logistics represents a fundamental redraw of global supply chains that will profoundly change global trade for both businesses and consumers. Technology will increase the scale, scope and speed of trade. It can provide access to markets for everyone, regardless of geography or business. And right now we're looking into the biggest evolution of global trade since the containerization in the late 60s. This episode examines how technology will change the world of logistics in the years to come and the challenges it's facing. This is Beyond the Box, integrated logistics from the inside out. We're back. Welcome to the second episode of Beyond the Box. I'm Jonathan Ring Larsen. And I'm Morten Butler. In this episode, we'll explore the curious case of digitizing global trade. I know it sounds like quite the task, so let's start with baby steps. Jonathan, you like a nice pair of kicks. Can you take me through the process when you buy a pair? Yeah, I mean, recently I actually bought a pair of uh, Nike Air Force Ones. Uh, maybe I'm getting a little bit too old for those kind of shoes. Uh, that's at least what my wife uh, told me. Anyhow, I like them. I actually bought the, these pair of shoes online, uh, which I've been doing ever since the pandemic. Uh, really, really easy. It only took like a few clicks. It sounds pretty easy and you're young at heart, at least. <laughs> yeah, you're surely I, like not... to, I like to tell myself so. <laughs> yeah, you're surely not the only one who, who uh, who's buying shoes like that. But did you know that on average more than 100 people are involved in moving your sneakers when you uh, order them from the factory to your front door? That's crazy numbers. It's a very complicated, manual and cost-heavy process. Even a small human error can lead to delays and other hiccups. Even though it has worked for decades, it is a fragile setup which could be improved by automatization and standardized processes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there is room for improvement, especially considering the major steps in digitalization like we've seen in other industries. Take the aviation industry as an example, where you seamlessly can book a trip with multiple carriers with only a few clicks online. Or when you transfer money from, let's say, a Danish bank to an English bank. And guess what? That's exactly what we're talking about today. How tech will change logistics and global trade, and why it's taking so long. That's right. We spoke to Vincent Clark, CEO of AP Miller Mask, after his keynote speech at the World Mobile Congress in Barcelona earlier this year. We also met with Thomas Bagge, who's the CEO of Digital Container Shipping Association. It's a non-profit organization with nine of the largest shipping companies that is working to develop digital standards in the industry. Yeah, let's start off by setting the scene. And by that, I mean, it would be obvious to hear from Thomas Barker, who has like the overall view on where the industry is on its digitalization journey right now. When MERS comes out with something, it does not match the processes uh, or, the, uh, or the data requirements as such of the other carriers out there. So, so there are some things where, where we see in other industries where competitors actually uh, collaborate. Banking is a great example. Uh, they co- uh, in the SWIFT network that uh, manages international transfers as an example. Um, they, the banks have come together to make that ecosystem work. Or in uh, telco, the same things are happening uh, with, with network standards. So it's happening. Credit cards is another example. Technology, there, there are many things even within the automotive. So that's what we came together to do. That was to create that foundational layer where 
where the carriers don't compete. You actually already collaborate around operational processes, etc. So that's the idea. The idea is to create that digital foundation for everybody where you don't compete. So this is something that requires collaboration between companies that are otherwise competing for the same customers and market share. Does that mean that the development is not happening at all because everyone in the industry is afraid of showing their hand? No, far from it. I know that Maersk has, uh, for example, changed significantly in the past six years. Back in 2016, only 2,000 employees were designated to various tasks concerning tech and digitalization. Today, the IT department in Maersk has tripled and more than 4,000 of them are software engineers. Let's hear what Vincent Clark had to say when we met him at the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which is one of the world's biggest tech conferences. Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's always tempting to think that you know we just show up to a fair here or there and we say something and we have key speaker note uh, like we had today and and that will really change things. The fact of the matter is, this is something that is going to take time. Evolving the brand from being like an old shipping brand into being a modern tech-powered logistics integrator, I think is something that is going to take time. It takes time for us to do it. And there is no substitute for us to actually do it rather than just you know sell the story and spin it and think that it's going to stick. So I think we need to be we need to be ready to invest in that journey. We need to be ready to continue to show up to events like this. We need to be ready also to every day when we come to work actually invest ourselves in making that transformation progress. There's no substitute for what we really do on the ground and continue to bring that context to events like this one. And, and we will get there. It's going to take another few years uh, to change that perception, to bring us to this league that we aspire to be part, part of, but we definitely have the legs to get there. And it always ends up actually with one thing, and it is how committed the leadership and the company in general is to actually making that transformation. Because you won't find one industrial company today that doesn't talk the game when it comes to digital transformation, but there's actually quite few of them that really play the game. And Maersk is one of those companies that plays the game, and that's exciting, I think, for a lot of people. I guess the question is, why is there suddenly so much emphasis on adopting tech solutions in the supply chain? The digital revolution started more than two decades ago. And as Thomas Bagge mentioned, the financial sector implemented digital standards a long time ago. Why is this only happening now in this industry? I mean, there are several explanations, but the most apparent factor is obviously customer demand. Previously, container shipping was a heavily commoditized business where pricing level more or less was all that mattered. This is also known as the just-in-time strategy in logistics lingo. However, in the last couple of years, we have seen a rapid rise in demand for agile, redundant and flexible supply chain solutions due to geopolitical tensions like the trade war, Russia's uh, war in Ukraine and of course the pandemic. This is also known as the just-in-case strategy. I like that label, just-in-case. That mindset is really a testament to the large degree of turmoil that has faced the world in, in recent years. And it's top of mind among business executives as well. Uh, an example from uh, Maersk last year, together with the rest of the Maersk executive board, Vincent Clark met with some of the top 200 customers to discuss uh, their wishes and needs. Bear in mind that this was during the worst congestion with massive delays and record high freight rates. Even so, it turned out the customer's main worry was the lack of visibility in their supply chains. They simply didn't know where in the world their cargo was. 
that's crazy. I mean, but honestly, I understand their frustration. Uh, and Thomas Barke actually talked about the lack of cooperation on the digital agenda and why it's changing. We see carriers taking uh, initiatives. Hapagloid uh, has launched theirs, equipping uh, their their fleet of dries uh, and reefers with with tracking devices. Sony has done it with Sony. But we don't see a, an industry moving together. We see different solutions mm. and we need to create interoperability uh, because we work together in business sharing agreements still. Um, so that's one thing. Visibility and supply chain resilience, which goes hand in hand, is something that we need to be uh, thinking much more about. And there's a definite uh, requirement from the customers. This is exactly the feedback Merck received when talking to its customers last year. Let's hear what Vincent Clark had to say about this. I think if you if you talk to the logistics departments of our customers and even to the C-suites uh, at our customers, they know that the way they run their supply chain today is very fragile. They know that they're exposed. All of them have felt it in the last uh, two years. That more holistic approach to visibility, that more holistic approach to owning the outcomes of their supply chain, of being a true partner for them, That is something that is present in the mind of many of our customers. So you can say the aha moment, they have had it. The window of opportunity that there is for us to sell something different is there today. This window will not be there and open forever. Either it will close or somebody else will find a way to get in while it's open. So that's why I think you know pace and speed in our transformation remains a key element of success. The transformation that we have is is so ambitious that there is no way we will be able to do it all. It's going to need to rely on an open infrastructure where we rely on some of our capabilities for what is truly differentiating for our customers, but also rely tremendously on, on companies we can partner with. Companies we can partner with on the software side, on the data side, on the communication side, on the cloud side. I think we heard today on stage that even the U.S. government, which has probably a, a size in terms of data needs and so on, is coming to the realization that they need to move also to a more collaborative approach and, and more open environment when it comes to, to their data. And, and this is also the same realization we're having. The, the on-premise is, is continuing to play a role in the future. The, uh, our own cloud will continue to play a role, but more and more we will need to rely on partners. It sounds like the industry has their work cut out for them. Definitely, but things are moving in the right direction. Recently, DCSA revealed a joint commitment to launch a fully digitized and standardized bill of lading by 2030 which could save the industry and therefore its customers billions of dollars. Jonathan, you're the expert here. Please explain to me what exactly is the bill of lading? So basically, the bill of lading is the document that follows a shipment all the way from A to B. Whenever the container crosses a border or is loaded onto a ship or a truck or a plane, various authorities and other stakeholders need to give it an approval stamp in order for it to move even further. And today, around 97% of all bill of ladings are physical documents, making it a cost-heavy and complicated process. But even though you were kind enough to call me an expert, I, I beg to differ. <laughs> Let's hear from the two true experts in this episode, Vincent Clark and Thomas Barge. So as an industry, we're still uh, really not a leading-edge industry when it comes to digitalization. We've just launched the electronic bill of lading through through DCSA, which is a, a, an industry standard. It's one of the first real industry standard we have that is digitized. 
And it's a standard, the bill of lading has been a standard we have had for decades, and that's the time that it took us to digitize it. So it's maybe a good illustration, even if we celebrate this, because it's a good milestone, it's a good illustration also of the speed at which this industry is moving. And this is something we can change as Maersk, because if we lean into it, the leadership role that we play across the logistics industry will really wake up a lot of our competitors and accelerate this into a movement. We actually started working first on the very basic stuff uh, in the documentation space to create that foundation. And then in, uh, in June, we, we brought the CIOs together in Amsterdam. We had something called an industry ambition workshop where we said, instead of us doing incremental work and creating another standard and publishing that, then where would we like to see the industry in five years or seven years? Uh, and that, uh, that's where we coined the, the, the ambition for the 100% bill of lading. So it's part of what we call digital trade. It's one component in, in digital trade. Um, and then from there on, it was really um, a matter of getting the, uh, the commitment from the CEOs, uh, which we thankfully got. Okay, we've talked a lot about the structural issues in supply chain, which tech can obviously help solve in the coming years. But one of the major and most pressing issues is climate change and how we can create a more sustainable future. Remember, shipping is responsible for around 3% of all global emissions. But the most sustainability challenges are complex. The green transition in shipping is not only about converting from fossil fuel to sustainable alternatives, but also about finding new and more efficient ways of operating and optimizing the supply chain. This is where having the right digital capabilities become imperative to the industry and its customers' decarb ambitions. That's right. And according to Vincent Clark, green tech plays a pivotal role in the green transition with some of the tools already available. I mean, for example, emission dashboards, where customers can track the carbon footprint in their supply chains. Therefore, let's hear from the CEO who highlights the role of data usage in the decarb journey. So I think one of the big learning is uh, on this decarbonization journey is actually the importance of tech. At first you think, you know, just giving us a dashboard is not really going to help us decarbonize. And then you, you, you get on with the problem and you figure out actually how difficult it is just to get the data to understand what's going on, what's the baseline, where are we starting from and how are we going to judge progress. And you figure out that actually technology has a really, really important role to play. On, on enabling that digitalization journey by providing the transparency and, and, and the data that we need in order to be successful. That is, that is of course, uh, something that, uh, that, that is very important. The other thing that is important is, of course, we're changing technology. We're moving from a carbon-based technology to a different technology now, different fuel, probably different engines uh, on site. It's the entire global economy is going to be powered through a different source of energy. That's one of the largest transformation, societal transformation that there will be in centuries. It's a huge opportunity as well. One thing is certain. The consumer experience will change dramatically in the next decade. Consumers will increasingly demand customized, personalized and emission-free offerings. For retailers and wholesalers, this means tighter lead times, more turns, more flexibility, and more redundancy in getting their products from A to B and back again. This demands massive control, visibility, and predictability, leaning heavily on tech-savvy solutions. So, according to Thomas Barker from DCSA, it's still very early days, 
and therefore he's calling for more courage and advanced thinking from the carriers in order to take the next and very important steps. Uh, there, there's also things missing on the digitalization journey. I think there are cases, uh, if we stick with the IoT example as an example, mm. uh, where the carriers don't exactly agree on the use case for putting IoT equipment uh, or tracking equipment on containers or whether you need it at all. So, so there are things where the carriers sort of need to advance their thinking or, or let time uh, advance their thinking. Um, but I think the, the big thing is actually to, to try and implement some of the things, see whether it works, and if it doesn't work, let's change it. It's a big task, and the industry has only just begun discovering the upside and potential in integrating tech in its operations. In other words, the shipping and logistics industries still have to prove that they can walk the talk. Let's hear Vincent Clack's vision of Mask as a tech-forward company. We are not yet a company and an industry that gets naturally associated with cutting-edge digital transformation. That's something we have to change. That's part of our, it's a central piece of our strategy. But it is also something that uh, we can realize when we come here that there is still a long way to go before actually the world really takes notice of what we're doing and, and of the impact that we're going to have. I think if you look at it from our customers, they are still the ones putting the demands to us. We are not yet in a phase where we can wow them because we're actually bringing something that is suddenly a solution to problems they didn't dare to dream about. I think that we're a few years away. Probably 2024 is where we start to move to offense. That is actually where it's not just a pull from the customer asking us to do certain things, but it is actually us starting to to move stuff and get a little bit ahead of demands or expectations from customers. That's a really exciting part because that's where that's where technology really becomes a competitive advantage. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I feel 15% like Robocop after this episode. A lot of things are happening in the digital space, obviously. <laughs> Robocop. I mean, I'm just curious to know what it feels like to be a cyborg. Do you sort of need to recharge your batteries every night or are you more like an old Nokia phone that could last for weeks on the same charge? Definitely the latter. <laughs> okay, anyway, we didn't even get around to talk about AI, which is on everyone's lips uh, these days. But I know that we will deep dive into that in another episode. To me, it was a big surprise to learn that it has taken the industry this long to tap into the potential of digitalization. And on the other hand, it's amazing how much has been achieved in such a short period of time. Five years ago, it was almost impossible to book a container online, but today, most of the bookings are placed through the carrier's websites. At least I know that's the case at Maersk. Well, 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 that is it for today. We hope you enjoyed the show. I mean, I certainly did. I already feel a lot more clever than when we started. A big thank you to our reporters in the field, Samantha Edelvoy, Samuel Polder and Anna Snergaard. And last but not least, our producer for this episode, Gert Cecilia Ross. If you liked listening to the first episode where we discussed new trade patterns, or if you liked this tech chat, please remember to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred platform, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, whatever they're called, all of them. That way you will never miss an episode. Until next time.